This is the Florida Spectacular Podcast with your hosts, Kathy Silustri and Rick Kilby. Keep up with Kathy at GreatFloridaRoadTrip.com and on Twitter and Instagram at Kathy Silustri. Find Rick on Twitter at OldFLA and visit his website, RickKilby.com. Now, discover a Florida you never knew existed. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Creature from the Black Lagoon episode of the Florida Spectacular. Uh, I am your your ghost host, Kathy Celestri, joined by uh, my uh, other ghost host, Rick Kilby. Good morning, Rick. How are you? I'm up in the attic of a hundred-year-old house, and it's spooky. Can you rattle some chains? That would be awesome. I would really appreciate that. Oh, I don't have any chains. I nothing even to rattle. We need a foley stage. We really do. We need a foley stage just for this one episode. <laughs> that would be cool. So I have to tell you, this is my favorite month of the year. Uh, I love Halloween. I do not get dressed up. I do not trick or treat. We actually get no trick or treaters at at our house. We we. It's very weird. I think the trend is moving away from trick or treating, but I love all the trappings of Halloween. I start in September. It goes through the Day of the Dead. Um, we have skeletons for every animal in our house. We've got a we've got a dachshund skeleton. We've got a larger, what I call a coonhound skeleton. We have um, a fish skeleton from when I had a fish tank. We have a frog skeleton because frogs get in the house every now and then. We have a cat skeleton. Um, it's We also have a mermaid skeleton this year. Which well, is, I, I also noticed you have a, a skeleton you take on the road with you. Yes, dead elf on a shelf. He's my buddy. <laughs> he's um, he's seen some things. Um, he goes places. He makes mischief. He tends to drink a lot. We have to really watch him because he gets very um, churly. How did he? The, how did he lose his arm? There was an incident where um, he was trying to ride a spider. So we have a gas cooktop and we have a hood that comes down because the cooktop, I can't remember if you've been in my house. I don't think so. The cooktop is not against a wall. So it comes down and it's freestanding and it has four sides on it. It has like little a step on it. So I would put a, um, every year I have this lovely posable furry spider. She's really cute. And one year Rory, that's his name, Rory, that was his um, undead name. Rory decided he was going to ride the spider and he fell off the spider and there was, uh, we had had the stove on, it was off, but uh, it was hot enough that it, it, he lost an arm and it was painful because <laughs> it didn't come off right away. It was, it was over several days. I don't know what the undead version of gangrene is, but, um, yeah, he, he lost the arm. Well, that's what you get when you try and ride the giant spider. She was, you know, she's pretty docile, but never ride the spider i think that's good life advice yeah never ride the giant spider that could be today's t-shirt it is it is if only we had a daily t-shirt um but i do love this year i got my mermaid skeleton i found Yay. that in august at like a bell's outlet and i'm like it was only 30 dollars. i've been looking at them online and they're like 70 bucks online i'm like oh i gotta get this and you know my poor husband i walk in the house and he just looks at me shakes his head he's like yep okay <laughs> what it is. Um, and that one is actually attached to the fan pull of my ceiling fan. 
So when we turn the ceiling fan into the sunroom, the mermaid rotates and her tail flows out. So it's like she's swimming through the air. Oh, that's yeah. pretty cool. We're not yeah, so much yeah. we're not so much into um, Halloween here as we are Christmas. And I should say, when I say we, I mean my wife. I mean, I have some creepy ceramics. Um, you know, you saw the Lost Sirena, and I also have a Fiji mermaid, which is nice. a Fiji mermaid. I'm. It has five or six different heads. I'm trying to get the perfect little head for it and the first one was too small the next one was too big and i have I actually have a creature from the black lagoon head for my wow. fiji mermaid this is um like the goldilocks of the fiji mermaid this one's too small <laughs> exactly this one's just right well it started I, me on this whole thing where i made these florida action figures with different heads and you can switch them out so you can put the ponce de leon head on the mermaid body and you can put you know the um the lizard head um on you know the, the the fish guy and you can do all that kind of stuff and so it's that kind of started this me down this rabbit hole so why, why but, do i not have a full set of these where are they for sale i want to buy these <laughs> interchangeable head action figures i really really do well there's one for sale at janine taylor the widow and she her head comes off and can be interchanged with the pinhead and the pinhead also has a um a little there's a smiley little um citrus figurine too with like a little animated citrus person so they all kind of rotate but anyways that was my segue to talk about creature with the fiji mermaid yes with the creature from the black lagoon head which is our topic (laughs) well mermaid works too so mermaid works too i want to make the point that i always make because creature is the quintessential florida b movie Right. I, yeah. it's just incredible. So, um, what I always say, cause I give a talk about, I give a couple of talks, uh, that relate to this time of year, but one of them I talk about and I make the case that, and I think I said this last, last episode, creature from the black lagoon and the little mermaid are exactly the same story. And so, uh, how, how, I can't figure that out. I was thinking about that and I was thinking, does she mean Beauty and the Beast? Because I can't see because, you know, there's a woman, she wants to be on land because she falls in love with the prince. And then, you know, there's an evil uh, queen. And it's like, okay, you got to tell me. I'm, I'm all Okay, ears. well, first of all, Ursula was not that evil. Don't okay. make a deal with the devil if you're not ready to pay. Ursula was like the scorpion taking the frog across the river. You knew what I was when you got on my back, right? You okay. Okay. So yeah, the Buddhist different, thing. That's for a different time. I get that. Um, but my point here is um, let's break down the aspects of Creature from the Black Lagoon. First of all, there is a creature living under the sea. There is a human living on land. The creature sees the human. The human does not know the creature sees her. Um, creature falls in love with the human and simply wants to do whatever the creature has to do to be with that woman. <laughs> At its core, that is exactly the gender reversed role of the little mermaid. The little mermaid sees a human living on the land. She lives under the sea. She falls in love with the human. The human doesn't know she's in love with him. She will do whatever she has to do to be with that human. See, I, mean, I, do, I, really I did. I missed the love story aspect of creature. Well, why did you think he wanted her? 
I, you know, it's been a while since I've seen it, but uh, yeah, so I mean, beautiful. she was, she was beautiful. I can understand that. I think perhaps because I was reading about how they wanted to update it. You know, they did an updated mummy. So, you know, the universal, there's these classic universal movie monsters. There's, um, you know, yes. obviously creature from the black lagoon, mummy and Frankenstein. And so they did a new mummy. So they wanted to do an updated creature from, from the black lagoon and they had people signed up. And the latest version was going to be Scarlett Johansson and Chris Evans, but it never happened. But at one point they had, Del Toro. What's his first name? It starts. I can't pronounce it. Uh, Guillermo, Guillermo, Guillermo. Guillermo yes. del Toro signed up to do it. He they they let him go, and he went on to do Shape of the Water, which really is kind of you know that takes the love story to the to the next level. Yes, I guess he even said he even said um, he he was in negotiations. He even as a little boy, he felt bad for the creature that. The creature just wanted love. He was in love and he wanted to give the creature a happy ending. And I, I mean, I got to tell you, that's, that's an amazing film also. Um, it really is. I think that's probably one of the best films I've seen this decade. I am wow. clearly biased. Well, I, I really, I like the nods to history. I liked, um, I liked the score. I liked, the cinematography. I love the story. I, I mean, I love the homage to the creature. Everything about it, absolutely everything about it, I was in love with when I saw it. But, 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 creature is the classic, right? And um, we have the Little Mermaid. We have the creature. The creature, by the way, could technically be a mermaid. Now you have a Fiji mermaid, right? You said you made a Fiji mermaid. I did. I do. I so have. tell, tell. Tell our listeners about the Fiji mermaid because the Fiji mermaid is not what you would call a classically beautiful mermaid. No, a lot of times it was just bad taxidermy. You know, they would have them in sideshows and in museums. You know, there was this whole thing in the Victorian era where people wanted their cabinets of curiosity. And oftentimes they were obsessed with things, exotic things from the natural world. And, you know, the Fiji mermaid might be, end up in one of those. But they would take like a fish taxidermied fish and maybe attach a monkey to the top part and you know the ones that you see are kind of like you know they look like they've started deteriorating like your skeleton guy and you know it's like flesh is hanging off and there's little wisps it's, of the hair and i actually his name I'm, is rory by the way Rick. His rory, name is rory sorry i'm i one of the heads that i want to work from from my fiji mermaid i'm going to glue some real hair on it and see how that looks because it looks like that's what they did in some of the fiji mermaids i think they're so cool because they're so creepy, and I love anything from that exotic, strange Victorian era, but they were not pretty at all. Well, the first mermaids were not pretty. Um, that's, that's, where we, that's where we get a little, um, a little confused about mermaids. We got a little somewhere along with, um, I think, the Iliad and the Odyssey. We got a little confused about mermaids, and we started to think they were beautiful creatures with beautiful bouncing naked breasts bottom half bottom half's a fish sure that's going to be complicated later but we need to be with this wonderful mermaid but the very first um mermaid and i have to tell you years ago i got a set of cork coasters from wikiwachi springs state park um and it was 
mermaids throughout different cultures. Oh, cool. Um, and they had some of the mythology of mermaids because, and this is a tangent, every culture in the planet, no matter how much contact it's had with any other culture, has legends of three things, a Bigfoot, a mermaid, and a ghost. So you can find mermaids going way back. Um, and I believe one of the earliest mermaids, I'm looking for the pronunciation of it. Mommy Wada? Um, uh, no, this one I'm thinking of is called the Nindyo Nozi. I don't um, know that one. Uh, it's uh, it's a Jap- it's the Japanese equivalent. Um, it's called human fish, ninjo. I can't oh. pronounce it correctly. Um, half woman, half fish, fabulous creature. Um, I don't think it's one of the earliest, but um, one of the things, one of the mythologies there is that uh, if you ate the flesh of this, it would be an elixir. Um, and you'd live for a very long time. So we get to your fountain of youth right there, mm-hmm. right? But if you look at this picture, and I'll put a picture of it in the show notes. It is a woman, but she has, her whole body is a fish. There there are no breasts. Her whole body is a fish. She has a face that can best be described as what we would call a witch with the big, long, protruding draw, jaw, jaw um, and um, horns, right? So... This is not a this is not a sexy time mermaid. Uh, so I find it fascinating that we've obviously um, sexualized these mermaids, um, and that I think I mean my history. I could be I, I know somebody's going to go. Wait a minute, there was one earlier, but I think we really start to see that um, with the Odyssey because you start to see the sirens, right? Who, who are trying to tempt uh, Ulysses to, to come with me. And, you know, that was part of the Greek mythology. But, I mean, we have them all over the world. And they didn't start out as beautiful women. They were, um, you know, I mean, water elementals, um, mystics. They, they were imbued with all these different powers. So, but which one did you mention? Mommy, uh, Mommy Watu, Wata, uh, or Mamba Muntu. It's in Swahili. It's the uh, African version of a mermaid. And it like that. So here's a, I just pulled up a page. Like most mermaids, Mommy Wata can seduce, bewitch, and intrigue humans. She's a beautiful creature shrouded in mystery. Yet beware, for Mommy Wata is a vengeful mermaid and not one to be messed with. Uh, there was a uh, an exhibit at the History Center called Mythic Creatures, and they had this whole thing on mermaids. So they had the Japanese one that you had, and they had they had a reproduction of a Fiji mermaid, and they had Mamiwatu, and they, it is in all the creatures. The one you know that I was talking about, Sirena, is in the Mexican uh, culture. So it is cool. And there's you know Lou Vickers' book. Did we have we had Lou Vickers on our show? Didn't we talking about Wiki we did. Watching? She um she has a great thing about the his- history of mermaids in her Wiki Watchy book. Um, shout out to that if you can find it. It's out of print. Um, it's a big old um, beautiful book. book. I have it. Yeah. Yeah. So there is a lot to unpack there about mermaids. So you see the creature is fitting in on that line of of kind of sea creatures who um fall in love with popsiders like us. I, mean, I think that might be part of the reason creature endures um, yeah. because it's not, the creature is not just a Florida film. The creature from the black lagoon was filmed all over Florida. 
over over Florida. Um, Tallahassee used to have a creature fest. I mean, it's it is a beloved film in Florida for a lot of reasons, but other people have seen it too. And that's to Universal's credit. They were trying to revive that amazing era of the mummy, um, Dracula, all their, all their horror movies. It was actually people, if you don't pay attention, people will think it was done in the thirties at the same time as all the Boris Karloffs, but it was actually done in the fifties. Yeah. Uh, so it was really, and it was filmed in black and white. All three were in black and white. Um, and it, it's, I think it speaks to that core. We don't think about it so much as, oh, this is a mermaid story, but it really is a mermaid story. I mean, the creature goes, is, is very similar to a lot of those earlier legends. And the creature actually goes back to Citizen Kane. I love, love, love to tell this story. Did you know Creature from the Black Lagoon was related to Citizen Kane? No, I did not know that. Tell me you want to know. So it's it's like Kevin Bacon, you know, everybody's related by seven degrees of separation from Orson Welles or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's not six degrees of creature from the Black Lagoon, okay. um, but it is it does have ties to Citizen Kane. It's a little more straightforward than that, unfortunately, although we could do that. Um, so it goes back and this is this goes back to the legend of the mermaid legends. So um it's um I'm not going to tell you Citizen Kane is a B movie first of all. Um but I am going to say that Citizen Kane is the reason we had the movie Creature from the Black Lagoon. So um there was a a guy a, an actor in Citizen Kane, William Aland, who played the reporter Jerry Thompson. So this is if you've seen Citizen Kane, this is the guy who at the you know, throughout he's almost like the narrator. He's charged with unearthing the meaning of Rosebud. What did it mean? So um, you only see his face a very few times in the film. He, he would, wasn't a huge part of it. He's largely unseen. Um, in fact, after Citizen Kane, this guy never really acted again, except he was the second murderer in the 1948 production of Macbeth, right? Um, so he wasn't really an actor, but he did produce films. And he did films. He did It Came From Outer Space, The Mole People, the Deadly Mantis. I mean, this is high art this guy was doing, um, but he was not going to be the next Orson Welles. But um, his small role in Citizen Kane meant that he was invited to a dinner party for everybody who was involved in the film. And at that party, he met a Mexican cinematographer, Gabriel Figuera. And Figuera told him about the legend of this um, creature that once a year would come out of the river in this small village and claim a woman and take her back underwater. And this legend stayed with Alan sufficiently that he made that legend into Creature from the Black Lagoon. Uh, so had he not been that bit player in Citizen Kane, we would not have creature one, two, or three. We would not have the shape of water. It would be a very different be an art film space. So I always, I always like to tell that story that Citizen Kane is why we have creature from the Black Lagoon. That is very interesting. I had not heard that. I did read about you know that that gentleman. I didn't know his connection with Citizen Kane. So just well, let's talk about the Florida connections. I was going to yes because. You know, there were three films, and the first one was 3D, 
but and the only time I've seen it in 3D was there was a hotel here in Winter Park called the Langford, and as right before it closed, um, they had this big pool. It was a big resort from the 1940s, and they showed it behind the pool while there were synchronized swimmers swimming in the pool, and it was in 3D. It was the most epic thing ever and so much fun. But the first one was shot in Hollywood, and the underwater scenes were all shot at Wakulla. And the second one was Silver Springs, and some was at Marineland, and I think some was in Jacksonville, perhaps. Yeah, Black Creek or something. So they're one of the creeks up there, I think. But there's a great blog on the uh, Florida Memory site about uh, the second one and the filming at Silver Springs, because Silver Springs was known for as a film site. And, re- you know, there's a lot of uh, very important people in Florida Springs tourism who were involved with it. So it talks about Newt Perry, who was the force behind Wikiwachi. And it talks about Rico Browning, who did the swimming scenes uh, in, um, I guess, all the, all the creature movies and became kind of a legend in Florida. And, and you know, unfortunately, he died recently. And um, yes. I don't know if it talks about Ginger. Ginger Stanley Hollowell um, was the – who did, did the underwater scenes as well for Julie Adams, who was the um, top cider actress. And Ginger was actually, uh, for a time, a secretary at Silver Springs. She ends up being in a lot of um, Bruce Mozart's underwater photographs. And she also, I believe, was a Wikiwachi mermaid. Um, but she lived in Orlando until recently and just passed away. Then um, her, she was in her eighties. Um, those people to me are so important in Florida's pop culture and in their in its history overall. So I love, love, love it, um, that aspect of the film. Did you know that family travel has the incredible power to shape our children's worldview and create lasting memories? In a world where representation is often lacking, it's essential for our children to see themselves reflected in every aspect of life, including the stories we tell about travel. Introducing the Travel of Legacy podcast, where we're rewriting the script by celebrating the diverse voices of black and brown family travelers. Each episode of Travel of Legacy is a testament to the enriching power and the joy of exploration in black and brown communities. So journey with us and subscribe now. I um, I agree with all that. I, I agree with loving every aspect of that. And um, I want to note that Riku Browning was the only actor who was consistent throughout all three films. So um, they had uh, Ben Chapman, who was the uh, terrestrial creature. There were two creatures. Okay. So uh, Rico was um, an FSU student who was working, I think at Wakulla Springs part-time as a lifeguard. Right. And they cast, he, he came from a family fisherman, right? And um, he was the creature in all three movies. In the first movie, we had Ben Chapman. They paid him like 300 bucks a week. And I always wondered, like, why? I mean, it wasn't like the creature calls, the role of the creature didn't call upon some great emotional depth. Why didn't they just have Browning play the creature? And it came down to height. He wasn't tall enough to tower over people. So hmm. they had to have it, but um, he was continuous through all three films. Um, the second film, Revenge of the Creature, was filmed partly in Jacksonville. I think that's the one you were 
talking about. Um, they use Marine Land in St. Augustine. Right. I think it's insane. It's um, just, and, just actually, Marine Land was right its own on, town for a while. Yes. Um, and in the movie, they call it the Jacksonville Ocean Harbor Oceanarium. Um, <laughs> and, 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 and in the second film, I do want to say the filmmakers, they do um, exhibit a remarkable lack of knowledge about Florida geography because they capture Gilman in South Florida because he's on display at a roadside attraction and they just bring him right up to Marine land. Like it's nothing like, you know, that's a drive y'all. Um, so in this one, in the second one, he falls in love with a female scientist um, because I, you know, the first movie she was, the love interest was just the girlfriend of a scientist because girls couldn't be scientists. But by the time we get to the second movie, we've evolved, we've gotten a little more woke, you know, girls can have careers. Um <laughs> People don't realize this, but if you look, and I'm not going to tell you where, but if you watch Revenge of the Creature, you can see Clint Eastwood. He has an uncredited role in the film. Oh, I, I'm going to have to dig up my DVDs. I, you know, I had a box set with all three of them in there, but I don't know that I ever watched the second one. Oh, I'm going to have to dig. Oh, so, so people will tell you that Eastwood actually made his debut in a film called Tarantula, another completely believable B movie, by the way. Um, and that one featured giant spiders, but it didn't get released until February of 1956 and revenge of the creatures, revenge of the creature was in theaters, July, 1955. So this is his, this is Clint Eastwood's Hollywood debut. And I mean, I don't know how you go from revenge of the creature and tarantula to making the bridges of Madison County. But, <laughs> wow. Um, so, uh, then we come to the third movie, right? Which is The Creature Walks Among Us. And I think this is probably the most neglected of the three creature films. Um, and this was 1956. Um, the only person who gets called back for this one, once again, is Rico Browning. Um, and just for everybody who hasn't seen this cinemata cinematic classic, uh, the Gill Man gets captured in the Ever Everglades because he escapes St. Augustine's Marine Land at the end of the second film and somehow gets back down to the Everglades. Um, and he somehow gets burned. I can't remember. And he has to have surgery. And after the surgery, the scientists realize he's losing his gills and he's using lungs to breathe. Um, so they try and they civilize, they try and civilize him. They think, well, he can be a, a man, but he is literally a fish out of water. Um, so he, he does escape into the ocean. And that is unfortunately the last we hear of the creature. Um, and it goes back to Wakulla Springs. Universal shoots the lagoon scenes in Fort Myers. Um, the New York Times reviewed this film and it said um, they called it what is probably the most unusual aquarium in the world makes a nice picturesque background indeed. Uh, so I, I appreciate that shout out to um, to the um, springs in Florida, to Wakulla Springs. And then, then the, the last thing, and I, I could go on and on and on, um, in, in The Creature Walks Among Us, the terrestrial creature is played by Don McGowan. And you don't know that name, but if you're a Mel Brooks fan, you've seen him. Do you remember... Um, the Mel Brooks with Harvey Corman, where Harvey Corman was the sheriff. I can't remember the name of the film. Oh, Blazing Saddles. Blazing Saddles. There it is. Yes. Do you remember the guy who was in line and was chewing gum and get shot? 
No. <laughs> that is Don McGowan. So go watch Blazing Saddles, the guy who was chewing gum and didn't bring enough for everybody in the line. Um, and he gets shot is the terrestrial creature from from the third creature movie. And I I like to make those ties because this poor guy, he gets shot in the two movies he's known for. He gets shot in Creature Walks Among Us. He makes it to Blazing Saddles. He gets shot again. I mean, that's a hell of a resume. <laughs> Well, I just love, you know, because obviously I'm a big Springs guy. You know, Wakulla Springs is one of my favorite places. I love to go up there and stay in the lodge. Silver Springs is a big part of my my past because, you know, I grew up in Gainesville and it was a quick drive away and I love Silver Springs. You know, it's sad to me to see the state of it, but that's a whole other topic. But I also love Marine Land. You know, Marine Land, it was, you know, there was no SeaWorld when I was a kid. Marine Land was it. And, you know, I remember... Like second grade, I had a notebook that, you know, those big, thick notebook, three wearing binder things you'd bring to school. And I had the Marine Studios sticker on the notebook or Marine Land because it started as Marine Studios. It's an interesting past. So here's the people who started um, Marine Land, Cornelius Vanderbilt Whitney. So, you know, that name says money right there. He he was, you know, a Vanderbilt and a Whitney. And then um, Leah Tolstoy grandson of the author of Leo Tolstoy. Those people are the ones who started Marine Studios, which became Marine Land in 1938, which is great because, you know, that was right in the middle, you know, the uh, or towards the end of the, the depression to think about, you know, those people, those titans of industry starting uh, and, and the arts starting Marine Land. And it was, you know, it was so groundbreaking. It was the first place, but, you know, they called it Marine Studios because uh, it was meant for film production. That's why they had those little portholes on the side. So you could do that. And it kind of grew into a, um, a tourist attraction. I did a, an article about it and we can post that in the show notes. It's got a fascinating history. And I, I just love going there. You know, unfortunately there's so little of it left, you know, when when I visited last, which was years ago, they still had an ancient, ancient dolphin from the old days. It was like 60 some years old. And, you know, this thing was so ancient, they couldn't ever put it back in the ocean. It wouldn't know what to do because it's swam around and around that tank for so long. But I was, I was kind of obsessed with the place. And um, uh, it's fun to think about. Good times. I mean, I'm not sure. It was kind by today's standards, but I'm picturing this old dolphin on a like with a little swim walker going around in circles. <laughs> yeah. 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 So there's a connection with UF. For a while, I think it was owned by the Georgia Aquarium up in Atlanta. I'm not sure if it was, but there's a connection with UF for research because, yeah, it is, you know, when you think about it, it was really cruel. And I remember going in that in between stage as an adult and, you know, before not to where it is now and everything was rusty you know all the portholes and things were rusty they still had this great bar though you know so like across the parking lot was this restaurant and bar and i remember the bar was like a boat that would go up and down like as it was rolling in the waves and it's like yeah that's not a great idea because you know the last thing you want when you're drinking a lot is to go back and forth so i was slightly nauseous at the bar but it's Ha, ah, sorry, I'm I'm getting off track because the nostalgia has kicked in for me. I'm I'm with you. I mean, this is I could go so creature from the black lagoon. I have a talk I give multiple times every October season-ish. 
called It Came From Florida. And it's all about B movies made in the Sunshine State. And I love giving the talk, but I get to the section about the creature. And every year I'm like, you know, I just need to make a separate creature talk because yeah. I could do 90 minutes straight up creature from the Black Lagoon. Um, can I tell one fantastic story that I love to tell about Rico Browning and Wakulla Springs? Go. All right. Um, so if you've been to Wakulla Springs, you know, they have a beach area and they have a beach area where you can walk in. I mean, it's a lake, a spring, right? It's a spring fed lake, basically. Um, so people would go there to recreate. Well, when they were filming, they had uh, everybody in the water. And this was well before the days of, of OSHA. Like there were no guidelines for putting a 20 year old man in a rubber costume and keeping him in you know 70 degree water all day so they had browning and they had him was all underwater they're filming these beautiful underwater scenes and honestly the scenes where he is swimming this is a side note there's this one scene where he's swimming and she is swimming on the top of the water and you can see her moving and he is mimicking her perfectly it's a mirror image of how they swim and you picture this guy is doing it upside down probably in about 12 feet of water in this huge rubber suit and he's beautiful i mean it is just one of the most beautiful sequences of water ballet i've ever seen and it's underappreciated but anyway so he's in the spring all day and rather than having him surface take the head off this and that they had like a bell situation set up in the spring so he could breathe there and he had been there most of the day but what that meant to the people on shore is they didn't realize he was down there so when they were done for for the day they released him and he said he just uh swam up to the beach area and started walking out of the water in full costume with his head on dressed as the creature <laughs> And he said there was a woman with her kids on the beach. And the woman grabbed her children, started screaming, and just ran off before he could even explain anything. And um, I love that image uh, because it's just you picture the creature actually coming out of the water is it's just it's beautiful. I mean, not for her. She was traumatized. I certainly hope. At some point, she saw the film and went, oh, okay. <laughs> and now at the lodge, you know, they show it on a screen over and over again. And, and all the, you know, they have they have great footage there. And if you do get a chance to say it, we'll call a lodge. It, I highly recommend it. It's, you know, it's part of the Florida State Park System. It, you know, it's, it's very quiet. There's a nice restaurant there. And there's trails you can walk on. It's a great place to visit. You should do it. I recommend going you know, off season because it's, it's just a, a wonderful old Florida experience. But I, I want to, I want to go back to Rico. Is it Riku or Rico? I used to say it Rico and I was corrected that it's Riku. There is a Riku. U at the end of his name. Yes. Uh, so I, you know, you can call him Rico. I can call him Riku and we can split the difference and maybe one of us gets it right. If I, if I call him Rico, I'm going to think of uncle Rico on Napoleon dynamite and that's not fair. Because Rico, this, I think of Donald Trump. Yeah, that's, that's the other Rico. Well, he did so much. You know, he was a, a big guy. He, you know, the whole idea for Flipper was him. He got hooked up with Ivan Tours, and Ivan Tours did all this 
film production. He was, you know, he did, he was a legend in, in filmmaking. And, you know, so he started as a lifeguard who was hired by Newt Perry at Wakala. And then he, he, you know, he had this, essentially they said, you know, we need to test the, this, this suit out against the seagrass. Um, can you, can you swim? And they loved the way he swam. And so they ended up casting him as the underwater creature because he just happened to be in the right place at the right time. And I think he was taking the the film people around. He was touring them. Um, and, but also I love the connection to new Perry because new Perry was such a um, innovator in all this technology, the underwater bell you talked about, you know, that was one of his, his innovations. And then he's the one who came up with a breathing apparatus that they use now at Wikiwachi. That was all New Perry. New Perry started at Silver Springs, you know, as a lifeguard. And he, again, he built this whole career. And then so when when um, New Perry started the spring and the attraction at Wikiwachi, Rico came with him. So all these guys, these legends in Florida Springs tourist attractions, you know, they're all part of the connections of Creature from the Black Lagoon. And I get, I'm, you know, it's the royalty to me. I think I said that before, but I get jazzed thinking about these people. I wish I could have met them. I know that um, Newt Perry's daughter, I think, um, still lives in Ocala. And, you know, there, there's a, uh, they have a, a swimming school where people can learn how to swim because that was a big part of Newt. They call it Newt, they called him the human fish. So yeah, he was, he was, he was, I think he was born in the water or something. Yeah. Not literally, but yeah, G- great stuff. Great stuff. And I, you know, I would argue that it's not a B movie to me. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a little campy because it's dated, but it's classic, you know, like that the one we talked about when we, on our other podcast about B movies, that is a B movie. This is the classic film. And I want to point out, it is a classic film that would be very tough to make the same way today. Yeah. Because of the springs. Yeah. Because our springs do not look the same. I, I mean, I, I hate to always, I don't hate it. I don't know why I say that. Um, I love to work in the environmental aspect of this. Um, things like not drinking bottled water, things like not fertilizing your lawn, things like re- retreating to a more rural landscape, a more Florida landscape. Those things um, aren't just hippie woke ideals. If you think Creature was a beautiful movie and you're glad it was, or not beautiful maybe, but wonderful movie and an important movie for Florida history, if you think that was really cool, that wouldn't happen today because our springs don't look that way. We can we can ratchet it back, but I, I like to point that out to people. That was an unspoiled spring at the time. Wakulla Springs does not look quite the same anymore. It's probably in better shape than a lot of our springs because it's so far removed from anything else. But yeah. the hydrology of, of Wakulla Springs is very complicated and we could do a whole show just about the hydrology of it. It is impaired, but there are times when, you know, there's actually a backflow of salt water that comes in there, but the, the city of Tallahassee made their wastewater plant too close to Wakulla, you know, the prevailing wisdom at the time was, you know, it takes thousands of years for rainwater to percolate through our limestone and come up in a spring. Well, the reality is there's sinkholes all around Tallahassee. Water runs into the sinkholes. The water goes into the sinkhole and it comes up in Wakala Springs in a matter of weeks. And they thought it would be hundreds of years. And so, you know, you do this wastewater field, you spray it with water. The water runs off all these nitrogen and phosphorus and things go into a sinkhole, guess where they come up. So, you know, 
when I was there the first time, there was a brochure they had, and it was about Limkins because Limkins were kind of a connection with, that people had with Wakala Springs because they're so loud and you hear their cry. And people love the Limkins there because it made it so exotic and everything. And there's no more Limkins because the quality of the water got so poor that you know all the freshwater mussels and snails that they eat cannot survive in, in that water quality. And so the other thing is there's glass bottom boats at Wakala that rarely, rarely run. I asked the um, the park ranger there and he said like three days a year maybe because the water clarity is just not good enough. It, you know, it would be an interesting film to try and do today because it would be really creepy underwater at some of our springs. And that might add to it actually, but it is – it's like a time capsule because they captured what the pristine Florida Springs look like, you know, and that water clarity. And, you know, Silver Springs was site of a lot of film production in addition to, you know, there were Tarzan movies shot there. I think there were Tarzan movies shot at Wakala. There was an airplane movie or airport movie. Yeah, Airport 77, I think, was shot at Wakala. Um, the earliest film production, you know, there was sports reels that were shot at Silver Springs and, and at Wakulla, but there was also training movies in World War II that were shot at Wakulla, and they show those at the lodge too. So there's this long history. James Bond was shot at Silver Springs. You know, there are books on this subject and, you know, the, the, the wonderful, wonderful aspect of our springs in that water clarity was so crystal clear that is no longer with us anymore. You know, there's yeah, there's algae gunk floating everywhere. It's 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 we can fix it, but we need everybody to fix it. Can't just be some of us. We need to fix it. So that's that's my my call to that. Um, and uh, yes, Tarzan. Some Tarzan films were at least one was filmed at Wakulla, and I know this because the last time I was on the boat ride, hardcore hardcore Tarzan fan was the boat captain <laughs> and he was very excited to show us the exact tree that appeared in some scene of the Tarzan film and he knew it was the I mean and he went into you can look when the sun is here and this is the tree and I was just staring at this guy like okay I'm I'm never going to be that hardcore about maybe anything <laughs> other than uh shark and saws women's prison massacre right I, that's 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 a different florida film for a different time although it is a horror film and it is quite lovely so on that note i think uh we've given everybody a lot to think about the intellectual aspects of creature the historical implications the environmental ramifications i mean it really does serve an interdisciplinary purpose i think as a film <laughs> go watch it I, i'm gonna have to dig out for my dvds and then try and find a dvd player because i want to watch the second and third ones I, I i'm not sure if i've seen them i don't know the first one you know um turner classic movies is such a great asset and you can go on their website and it'll tell you when those movies will be shown again i, I would think around halloween would be perfect time for them to pop up i mean um, it's yes um it should be right but you know they get overlooked um i yeah, know turner classic movies if you're looking um right now they're they're, they're featuring things like blackula um <laughs> the night of the hunter cape the original cape fear um it is it is the month for this but um Okay, now I'm going to go down a rabbit hole and I'm going to be watching these movies all month again. I didn't realize <laughs> Turner did this. 
<laughs> I'll put a link to Turner in the show notes just for everybody else so they can be as uh, horror dorky as I am. Okay. So you like the classic ones. You like contemporary horror films? Um, not unless they're too stupid to be scary. Oh. Um, I I think when I was when I was a teenager, I loved actual horror movies. Like I would go see Prince of Darkness, all those horrible movies. And now I'm like eh, a little too close to home. So uh, when you say contemporary horror, I'm not joking that I loved um, loved just escaped me the um oh yeah shark and saw's women prison massacre um that to me is great but it is a b movie um i'm not so much for like i'm not going to go see the exorcist i'll be very honest with you the trailer for the exorcist gives me nightmares yeah there's one that's on hulu now i think that's like um aliens in the house kind of thing that i i i really want to watch but just the trailer creeps me out i mean it doesn't creep me out it scares me it flat out scares me it's like oh that's horrible to watch but some of the ones like um is it jordan peele has made oh yeah so like get up. yeah yeah so good and so creepy i love those i mean because you, you know it's kind of a good kind of creep but it's not like uh, i can handle that that's about my level right there and you know the one what's the one um where um the aliens, you had to be, you couldn't talk because the aliens um, would get you with John Krasinski from The Office and um, his wife. Oh, that was good. So, okay, we, we, uh, yeah. we're, we've gone down I the rabbit hole. Drawing <laughs> a blank right there, but okay. Um, so with that, um, see you next time on the Florida Spectacular. Have a spooky week, y'all. <laughs>